So a couple of weeks ago, Mark spoke, which was great. And while he was speaking, um, a message came to me that the next time you speak, Carol, talk about feet. Okay, to remember that, it's ages before I speak again. Aunt Ellen hasn't even given me another date. Lo and behold, that week, a text comes, can you speak on the 24th of June? To which I was thinking, well, I'm away all the week before. I don't come back till late Saturday. Do I really want to do this? And my answer would have been, sorry, Helen, it would have been no. But because I'd had this feeling that I'd got to talk about feet during Mark speaking, I thought, well, he's already given me a title, so I'd better say yes. So hence I said yes. So you've got me today. Um, I know some of the people who come at the front and speak will identify with this. Don't think that I'm out here because I've got it all together. Do not think that I know um, a lot and I'm a very holy person and um, I'm out here trying to tell you what you should do or anything because, believe me, I'm far from that. I can see a few nods and smiles from those who come and speak <laughs> who actually feel the same. I said to Herod last night, do you feel that, you know, you just... You can't do this and you're useless and you're not a good example and everything. He says, every time I speak. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so let's hear what God's got to say because I haven't got any words of wisdom, but he has. So the title is Feet. Apparently you've got 26 bones in each foot. Lorraine could have probably told me that one. And Leonardo da Vinci's called our feet a work of art. I don't particularly call feet a work of art, but each to their own. Um, apparently, we do... I googled it, because when you're going to talk about something, you google it, don't you, and find out things. I found out that the average steps is 18,000 a day. And I, I, I think that's... Yeah, three or 4,000 is probably about right, because I struggle on my thingy to do the 10,000 steps that I've got set on it. Although this week, I've had quite a few pink circles on my steps. Apparently, um, the average thing is 75,000 miles in a lifetime. That's three times around the Earth. So in an average lifetime of 80 years, you've probably walked three times around the Earth. I don't know when this was done in olden times or whether it's done now, but I don't think the youngsters of today will hit, <laughs> hit that one. Um, but, you know, um, I've got tiny feet, but uh, my feet like to dance. As some of you might know, yours might like to play football, each to their own, or some other sport. And, and through the week, there's been a recurring song that's come to me, and it's the words, fall at your feet. And we need to fall at his feet and come to his feet this morning. So what does the Bible say about feet? Well, in Proverbs 4, verse 26, it says, Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. In other words, think about where you're walking, think about the direction you're going in, and where you're going, and make sure you're on the right path. I thought about walking then. Howard often moans about me when we're walking. He reckons I've got one speed for when we're out walking through the countryside, and another speed for when we're out shopping. <laughs> Turbo-charged Carol when we're out shopping. I, um, found out that's wrong two weeks ago. I said, no, it's not that I speed up when we're shopping, it's that he slows down. And he wanders around the shop like this, rather than when he's going. Oh, theme park Carol is like, whoosh. <laughs> uh, if you've never seen me at a theme park, 
I am supersonic powered. Woof, got to get there uh, and get on everything. Um, and I thought about walking. I think about when a baby starts to walk. Um, it's, it's great. It's often recorded these days when babies make their first steps. It's really nice. And they, 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 they wobble around and they fall over and everything. And you're there ready to, to catch hold of them when they do their first steps. And just that reminded me of us in our Christian walk. Very often we stumble and we fall when we first become Christians and we, we have find it difficult to stand on our own feet and we need Jesus' arms there ready to catch us. Unfortunately, sometimes I'm still at that stage of, of falling around and stumbling around and needing Jesus' arms there to, ready to, to catch hold of me. And then I thought about when children, once they've gained that sort of walking about they're a little bit turbocharged, aren't they? They propel themselves forward, and in propelling themselves forward, they run everywhere, often in the wrong direction, and you've got to run after them and try and catch them. And I thought, my Christian walk with God, sometimes I'm like that, I don't know about you, I'm running off, and sometimes I'm not going in the right direction, and God has to say, come here, this is where I want you, this is what I want you to do. And how important it is to have him there around us with his arms, but also to have him there to bring us back into the right path and the right way that we should be going. Psalm 66 verse 9 says that he keeps us in life and doesn't allow our feet to slip. You know, sometimes the path that we're on with God can be very rough. It can be very steep and it can be very uneven. Reminds me of a chorus we used to sing years ago. When the road is rough and steep, keep your eyes upon Jesus. He alone has power to keep. Fix your eyes upon him. Jesus is a faithful friend, one on whom we can depend. He's faithful to the end. Fix your eyes upon him. The first person I thought about when I thought about feet, because I thought it was a really unusual thing to sort of come in to talk about, was, of course... Mary washing the feet of Jesus. And she dried it with her hair. I want you to picture that. It's a really humble thing that she did to show her love to her master and teacher and saviour Jesus. If she realised who he was. And she went, they'd just had a meal, hadn't they? And she went and got this expensive oil, which was probably equivalent of a year's wages, so imagine spending a year's wages on some oil. Um, and some people moaned at the fact that she'd spent it. But then she, she got down, she let down her hair and wiped it. Hair. Now, in customs back then, for a woman to let her hair down, it was classed as being improper. I'm one to think, why would you wipe it with your hair? So I did a little bit of research, and some people seem to think that the oil was so expensive, she didn't want to use a rag to wipe his feet. Because if she'd used a rag, that would have absorbed some of the oil. And she used her hair because her hair would have distributed the aroma of the oil as well. And then I thought about that. The smell would have also been on her hair. She would have had the aroma of the oil and of Jesus on her. How lovely is that? Her desire was to lower herself so low as to wash his feet and be 
humble herself before Jesus. We know that feet washing was an act of hospitality and it was a tradition back in Jesus' time. Just as coming into my house or someone's house and taking their shoes off and offering them a cuppa type of thing would be. And it was often the, the job of the servant or the, the wife of the host. Wives get all the lovely jobs, don't we? <laughs> that she had to, to wash the feet of, of the visitors or wherever it was they'd got coming in. And there's lots of incidences in the Bible of, um, of feet washing, if you want to, to look those up. But the next feet thing I thought about was, was John when he turned around and he said, there was one who come in and I'm not even worthy to undo his shoes, let alone touch his feet or wash his feet. And often we need to feel the sovereignty and the power of our God that we are not even worthy to undo his shoes. Our amazing King of Kings. But Jesus lowered himself because we all know of the account where he washed the, the, um, the disciples' feet. He lowered himself. And it was an attitude of intense love and showing that he was ready to serve. We'll read in John 13, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded with. Then he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew that one would betray him. And that's why he said, you are not all clean. So when he'd washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What a wonderful picture. Jesus' ultimate mission was to serve and be humble. He lowered himself to a death on the cross so that we could be united with God. I don't think we can ever understand how far from God, man, death on the cross, 
Jesus serving us is the huge cavern that only Jesus And Jesus said, just as he was humble, then we should be humble. We should serve people around us. In the world, the order is like authority, leadership, and ruling over. But in God's kingdom and in God's rules, he requires leadership to be humble and to have humility. He says, if he can wash feet and be humble, then we should be humble just as he is. And we should put away our selfish ambition and serve our community. The community is the people that are near to you, the people that are around you, wherever you are during the week. Paul in Philippians, um, he mirrors this in his letter in Philippians 2, verses 3 to 8. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each other let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a lovely piece of scripture, isn't it? That Jesus was in heaven. He became lower than the lowest of the low, and he's been put back in his rightful place above all things and above all kingdoms. And that our desire should be to seek his way in a humble way with humility and some people think being humble and, and having humility is a weakness but it's a mark of great leadership and strength last time I, I spoke to you about God being interested in the little things it's great to see God's even interested in stinky feet that nothing in our none of our fears are ever too small none of our needs are ever too silly None of our stresses are ever too insignificant that he cares about stinky feet and lowering himself enough to die for us and to wash feet. The other person I thought of when we were thinking about looking through this was, was Moses, of course. Uh, he's one that comes to mind. that The story of the burning bush and the holy ground around him and he was told to take off his shoes I remember some years ago, I was at, um, teaching at Bishop Milner School and there was um, a Muslim guy there, one of, the, one of the students, and he was complaining because there was a Bible on the floor. And uh, in his, his religion, you wouldn't even touch a, you wouldn't touch a book with your foot and you wouldn't leave your holy scripture on the floor. 
And it just struck me that he, they have such reverence for God's word, and yet we can sometimes be so, so flippant with it. And sometimes we can be too familiar with God. He calls us friends, but we need, and he's been lower, but we need to realize that he's king of kings and far above anything that we are. Joshua was another one that was also asked to take his shoes off. Um, he says, take your sandals off because you are standing on holy ground. The ground was holy because God's presence was there. And it's almost as if he wanted him to take off his shoes because that was where God's presence was. But then there was no barrier between Moses' feet and God's presence. Do you remember when Jesus died, the veil of the temple into the Holy of Holies place where God was, was torn in two. God didn't want a barrier between us and him because Jesus had paid the price. God doesn't want barriers between you and him. He wants to break those barriers down and have that personal relationship with you. He wants fellowship with us. And sometimes the barrier of sin is there. And we confess our sins, don't we? And we say our sins are forgiven when we first come to know Jesus, when we first become Christians. But for me, that was what, a few years ago. And I have sinned since I became a Christian. And I have got things wrong. And I daily need to ask for his forgiveness. And it's something that I'm learning at the moment. And in, in the Bible app, there's, um, um, it's, it's sort of asking us to be reflective and think about what we do and how we do it. And to daily confess our sins and to come before him and seek his forgiveness, fall at his feet and plead his forgiveness. Because Isaiah 59, 7 says, uh, warns us about feet that rush into evil. Feet made a major part in Jesus' life. Apparently, Googled again, better be right. 27 references about the feet of Jesus are in the New Testament. There are over 100 references to Jesus walking in Scripture. And 162 references in the Old Testament to feet. So there's quite a lot of ones that you can look up. And apparently, apart from the 27 references of Jesus' feet in the New Testament, there are another 75 references in the New Testament to feet. I didn't realise until I started looking this week that there are so many um, times when feet are mentioned. But many lame, people who are lame, people who couldn't walk, were brought to the feet of Jesus and they were able to walk. So being at the feet of Jesus is a place of healing. Disciples also healed in Jesus' name, didn't they? We used to sing about uh, walking and leaping and praising God when they, in Jesus' name, healed others. The footprints of Jesus, we can say, changed history. And it also tells us in Romans 16.20 that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. But we have the victory over Satan and one day he will be crushed forever. And God uses the under the feet as the um, example of that. 
The feet are a sensitive part of the body. Helen Keller, who was actually deaf, she knew if people were walking towards her because she could feel the vibration in her feet. Those of you who know I'm a very avid Strictly fan. Um, last year we had Rose, who was deaf, singing, I think, dancing with Giovanni, and she couldn't hear a lot of the music all of the time. But you can feel the vibrations of the music in your feet. When I was, uh, was doing ballroom dancing, ballroom floors are spring-loaded, so they, they, actually, they actually bounce when you're dancing on them if it's a proper ballroom floor. And we had a guy at our dance school, and he was deaf, and he could feel the music through the, through the vibrations of the floor. And that made me think, do I feel the vibrations of Jesus' footprints close to me? Feet can often be used as, as a torture. Don't try to tickle my feet. You come anywhere near and I hold my breath. I can't breathe. And I am extremely ticklish on my feet. I couldn't have a foot massage at all because that just, yeah, um, I'm very sensitive on my, on my feet. But Jesus endured pain of his feet, didn't he? He had those nails in his feet. We hear an awful lot about the nails in his hands. He had those nails in his feet as well. And it says in, in Luke 24, it says, Behold my hands and my feet, that is I myself. Handle me and see, for, I, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. So after his resurrection, he was, we were told to look. Here are the holes in his hands and feet. Often, feet, well, in, uh, at the start, I said that Leonardo da Vinci thought feet were a work of art. I don't particularly think feet are a work of art. You might be with me on that one. Um, I think they're a little bit ugly, but there you go. And um, very often, we'll be in our society, there will be labels somewhere where we're told to shoes must be worn, um, no bare feet, etc. When we were in Universal Studios, you got to put your shoes back on, didn't you? He was walking bare feet, yeah. He was, he was a naughty boy. He was walking bare feet because he got so soaking wet and he was told to put his, put his shoes back on. Um, we're often like, you know, we, we wouldn't very often go um, barefoot, bare, barefooted. But Jesus' feet were feet that served. And in those days, he would have walked most places, we, we do read that he went on, a, on an ass, on a donkey. We do hear that he went on a boat. But the rest of the time, he would have walked. And they were his, his mode of transport on the dusty roads. He had feet that served the needs of others. And when he stopped, people sat at his feet and they listened to his words. The feet bear the heavy load of the rest of our body. I've got little feet, so my feet have got really quite a job on Um but the hands can do little without the feet. The feet are there to get them there. It tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And it also says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The feet get the tongue to the place where it needs to be to give the beautiful message of salvation. I was surprised in the Bible how many times it says that people fell at his feet or fell at other people's feet. It's a lowering yourself to the lowest part 
to give honour to the person whose feet you're at. It's wonderful that how wonderful that they sat at the feet of Jesus and, and to sit at the feet. When, when I was at, at school and I got the little ones, very often they sat on the carpet. Very often if they were nearest to you, you'd feel your leg being stroked or your foot being stroked or what have you. But they would sit at my feet uh, and, and listen. And I just picture that how often do I sit, not literally, metaphorically, at Jesus' feet and listen to him. Because sitting at his feet requires us to be still. It requires us to listen. Sometimes the sound of people's footprints can be quite daunting, especially if it's mum or dad coming up the stairs to give you a telling off. My mum never did that. No, she just gave me a slap. You could hit, you could, you could hit kids in my day. And, and don't, don't annoy your mum when she's got a wet hand and hands in the sink, because if she slaps you with a wet hand, it hurts more than if she slaps you with a dry hand. So, <laughs> I learnt that quite quickly. <laughs> but in Genesis 3, verse 8, we hear that Adam and Eve were scared when they heard God walking in the garden. They knew they'd done wrong. They knew they took of the fruit of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And they could hear God walking in the garden, and they were petrified. But, you know, God's feet can also be comforting. He leads us in green pastures, in Psalm 23. He guides us. He restores us. He walks beside us. Sometimes feet can be a good sound, because they're coming to rescue you. Or it's someone that's come home. And you hear them coming in, and you hear their footsteps. And it's a comforting sound. The Bible <clears throat> speaks of the earth being the footstool or the footrest of God. It just symbolises his greatness. That This great big earth is just, in comparison, is just a little something for God to put his feet on. And that we should honour and worship Christ and glorify him above all. The feet of Jesus should be a place of education, a place of contemplation, place of forgiveness. In Philippians 2, Philippians sorry, 2 verses 5 to 10 it says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, I've read this one haven't I? I'm going to read it again. Um, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming to the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Therefore, God's highly exalted him and given him the name above all names. Every knee should bow on earth and those under the earth. We should spend time listening to Jesus and his word. We need to sit at his feet. We need to worship at his feet. We need to serve at his feet with joy. And we need to follow in his footsteps. Of course, the final quote from the Bible is in Psalms. It says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That he's there to keep and guide and watch over us. Of course, I couldn't talk about feet 
without mentioning the famous poem that we all know, of Footprints in the Sand. So I'm going to read it. One night I had a dream. I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two steps of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. When the last scene of my life shot before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. There was only one set of footprints. I realised that this was the lowest and saddest time of my life. This always bothered me, and I questioned the Lord about my dilemma. Lord, you told me when I decided to follow you, you would walk and talk with me all the way. But I'm aware that during the most troublesome times of my life, there's only one set of footprints. I just don't understand why. When I need you most, you leave me. He whispered. My precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never, ever. During your trials and testings, when you saw only one footprint, it was there I carried you. Isn't that lovely? Hope that God has uh, blessed you this morning um, as we've thought about his word.